0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Good to have you with us for this Wednesday edition of
1: Washington Watch. Coming up earlier today, President Biden was at the United Nations where he
2: had this to say. In the last year, our world has experienced great upheaval. Growing crisis in food insecurity, record heat, floods and droughts, COVID-19, Inflation and a brutal, needless war.
1: Secretary General of the United Nations Antonio Guterres started the 77th session of the General Assembly yesterday with a similar tone of doom.
2: Let's have no illusions. We are in rough seas. A winter of global discontent is on the horizon. A cost of living crisis is raging. Trust is crumbling. Inequalities are exploding. And our planet is burning.
1: And guess what the remedy is? Can you, can you guess? W- what is the course to overcome these insurmountable challenges? Well, of course, it's to give government more money and power. Well, adding to the uncertainty here at home, the chairman of the Federal Reserve made this announcement earlier this afternoon. Today, the FOMC raised its policy interest rate by three-quarters of a percentage point, and we anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate. Well, that announcement has many economists saying the risk of recession is growing just as fast as inflation. We'll discuss this and more with South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. We'll also get the details on a measure he introduced this week that would stop abortions nationwide here in America at the point that a baby feels pain. He says this is not the end of the debate, but simply the beginning in post dobbs America. And speaking of protecting life, remember this rant Against Crisis Pregnancy Centers by Senator Elizabeth Warren.
3: We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts, and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. Uh,
1: torture a pregnant person? Well, first, it's a pregnant woman. And giving her prenatal care, giving her a true choice, and then walking alongside her during pregnancy, that's torture? Well, no doubt, inspired by Warren and the left, there have been over 70 attacks. All right. Did you hear me? 70 attacks on care pregnancy centers and other pro-life groups since May. Now, pro-life leaders in the House of Representatives have introduced legislation to protect these critically important ministries from the violence of the left. We'll talk with one of the bill's sponsors, Congressman Buddy Carter of Georgia, a little later here on Washington Watch. And military analysts are interpreting Russia President Vladimir Putin's latest moves as he announced he is drafting nearly 300,000 reservists and setting up referendums in four occupied regions of eastern Ukraine. Now, the question is, could this be a pretext to justify greater military escalation? We're going to talk about that later with General Jerry Boykin. We're also going to discuss a new book that he has out today, Strong and Courageous. You won't want to miss that conversation coming up later on this edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you and contact information for our guest. The word for today comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 12. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before Him. You know, in this growing age of lawlessness and injustice, good people might be tempted to become discouraged and throw in the proverbial towel or to throw off restraint and join the crowd. You know what? We cannot do either one. As Solomon wisely wrote in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 4, he said this, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. We contend with lawlessness and unjustness by pursuing justice and upholding righteousness. How do we do that in the midst of a culture that is not only indifferent to truth, but hostile toward it? Well, by having an eternal perspective, knowing that it will be well for those who fear or reverence God by obeying him. To join us in this journey through the Bible, go to TonyPerkins.com. President Biden addressed the United Nations General Assembly this morning, touching on a host of global matters, including Iran's nuclear capability, saying the U.S. will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. He spoke on the war in Ukraine, saying he worked to avert it. And he could not speak without touching on one of the Biden administration's top policy priorities, promoting abortion.
2: The future will be won by those countries that unleash the full potential of their populations, where women and girls can exercise equal rights including basic reproductive rights, and contribute fully to building stronger economies and more resilient societies.
1: So in his mind, having abortion builds a stronger economy. Joining me now by phone from Capitol Hill to discuss this and more is South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. He's the ranking member on the Senate Budget Committee and serves on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Senator Graham, welcome back to Washington Watch.
4: Well, thank you. If Washington ever needed to be watched, it's right now.
1: Well, you're watching, so give me your reaction to the president's uh, speech today to the United Nation.
4: Well, so let's just break it down. I'm glad he he rallied the world to stand up on behalf of the Ukraine, to stand up to Putin, because if we don't stop him there, according to his own words, Putin, he wants to rewrite the map of Europe, that was good. Uh, What he doesn't understand is if he does an Iran nuclear deal for the Iranian Ayatollah, who's a religious Nazi, will get $100 billion a year in new revenue over a 10-year period, that that's a disaster for the state of Israel and our Sunni Arab allies. The president doesn't understand that the Ayatollah of Iran has as his goal to purify Islam, to get Sunni Islam to bend to his knee as a Shiite, to destroy the state of Israel, and to make um, uh, Shia Islam the, the religion of the world. People didn't understand what Hitler wanted to do. I understand what the Ayatollah wants to do. And you would be a fool to give that regime $100 billion of new money a year to share with Hezbollah, a terrorist organization in Lebanon and other areas, and Hamas, a terrorist organization uh, vowed to destroy Israel, and Gaza. So I think— President Biden is naive when it comes to terrorism. He withdrew from Afghanistan after twenty years of fighting. The Taliban are back in charge. If you care about women, Mr. President, why did you turn the women of Afghanistan back over the Taliban who will treat them like chattel? As to the unborn, here's what I am saying without any apology. The Republican Party has traditionally been the party of the unborn. To those who suggest that after Roe v. Wade's repeal, there is no voice for the unborn in Washington, that we're going to turn the nation's capital over to the pro abortion crowd, I will never agree to that. So I am calling on you and your listeners to rally the troops for the unborn in Washington to say that post Roe v. Wade, we will allow states to set their own course up to a point, but at 15 weeks, in line with Europe, we're going to draw a line and, stay and save babies from a painful death, because at 15 weeks, they can feel pain. Right. So what did I think about his speech? I think it was naive, given the threats we face. And if you do the Iran nuclear deal to give the Ayatollah of this much money, he will share it with terrorist groups, and that will be a bad day for our friends in Israel.
1: Well, Senator, you, you addressed a lot right there, and I want to try to break it down. I want to go back to Iran. But first, I want to take on the issue of the bill that you introduced protecting mm-hmm. pain-capable unborn children from late-term right. abortions. Now, I, I think it has—in its in this context of the president talking to the United Nations, I think it's fitting, because 47 out of 50 <laughs> European nations actually limit effect, uh, elective abortions— prior to this 15 weeks. So if the president wants to be in line (laughs) just with Europe, he would say, yeah, this is a good starting point.
4: Well, if you talk about protecting women, I would assume that's young young girls too, right? Right. Little baby girls. So the pro-life movement is not about geography. It's about the rights of the unborn. It's not about an election cycle. It's all the time, everywhere, right? so we should be advocating for the unborn all the time, everywhere, within reason, so what I've chosen is to pick a standard consistent with uh, the civilized world and trying to get Republicans to talk about the democratic position on abortion, right The democratic position is. Abortion on demand up to the moment of birth, like China and North Korea, there are seven nations of the world in that category, and I'll, I do not want any part of America to have Chinese abortion practices. I want to draw a line in Washington to protect unborn babies from an excruciating death right. and I need our Republican colleagues to rally to the cause there 's nothing wrong with being pro life even in an election year.
1: You and I have talked about this senator I am I am pro life from the moment of conception forward that's been my yes. position since I was elected to office and post election it hasn't changed but I also understand that we have to build consensus and we have to reach that point of national consensus it's changed post Roe now that we're in this era of uh, of Dobbs after the Dobbs decision 72% of Americans agree we should limit abortion um, after 15 weeks. So, yeah. this is not the end point, but the starting point, as I see it. It certainly is for me. I support your bill, but yeah. it's not. It's not the end of the conversation. I want to continue moving. That's one of the reasons I was one of the first authors of an abortion clinic regulation act back in the late 90s, and people didn't think we should do that. But we've got to take steps to get where we need to go and build consensus. So I agree with your your actions. I just want to make sure people realize this is not the end of the conversation.
4: Well, what I want, one, the reason I'm on your show is because your audience um, is really committed to the unborn and... Uh, My bill does not stop South Carolina or Oklahoma from doing more restrictive laws on abortion. It allows states to do what they would choose to do. But at 15 weeks, we want to draw a line for America. Okay,
1: contrast that with the bill that the Democrats have passed through the House.
4: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. The bill the Democratic Party passed through the House— Allows abortion on demand as national law, it would set aside every pro-life law in the country in all 50 states and replace it with a national standard that would allow abortion on demand up to the moment of birth without restriction, making America like China and North Korea. So we're talking that about like position. we're
1: talking about like parental notification, ultrasound laws, of those things. Ty- so why is the media Everything. not making, why is the media not talking about how radical Democrats are, where they won't even, they won't even agree to align? I mean, is it a day before birth? Is it a day after birth? They won't agree you to can
4: that. You go to the delivery. I mean, you'd be going to the delivery. I don't mean to make light of this, but, you know, you, you know why the national media is not talking about it, because they're pro-abortion. They're cheering on. I mean, I got the crap beat out of me by the national media for introducing a national minimum standard of 15 weeks one week more liberal than the french with exceptions for rape incest life of the mother why cause they don't want me to expose the democratic party's position on abortion cause if most americans understood what they're trying to do nationally it would hurt them they everybody thinks abortion is a great issue for the democrats not if you know what they want to do they right. want to make a law for the land, the national standard abortion on demand up to the moment of birth with no restrictions,
1: and making every American pay for it.
4: Taxpayer funded. Thank you. I'm. You know, yeah. it's been a long day. Yeah, take your money and and pay for it. So here's what I think, right,
1: Senator. Yeah. Senator, we're up against a yeah. break. Hold that okay, thought. We go. We're going to come back on the other side of the break. We're going to continue our conversation with South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, who this week introduced protecting pain-capable unborn children from late-term abortions. It's a starting point in this post-Dobbs world, and post roe It's not the end. Under this legislation, states can do as much as there's consensus that they can build. And, And of course, we encourage state legislators to do that. Anyway, stick around. We're going to continue our conversation after this.
5: Learn more at FRC.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Continuing our conversation with Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. He serves on four committees, including the Budget Committee Committee, where he's the ranking member. All right, Senator. Thanks for uh, stand, sticking around. I, I want to sure. so much. I want to talk with you about. I want to get to the uh, to the uh, announcement by the Fed that the interest rate is being raised. Yeah. But I want I want to finish on this issue of uh, of abortion of, of the pain capable bill which you introduced, which would say after right. 15 weeks, when a child can feel pain, this is when there's uh, surgery in utero. There the, the the standard is to give them uh, anesthesia because they do feel yeah. that pain. And so that's the cutoff here. That's it's yeah. Look, again, I'm going to restate what I said at the beginning. I support life from the moment of conception on, but I understand we have to bring the people along and we have to build consensus. Seventy-two percent of Americans agree that there should be a cutoff around this period. Right. So I'm a little concerned. You know, it took us 49 years to get here to see Roe overturned. Moving forward... Is going to be, I think, the same process, incremental, where we can build consensus.
4: Well, one thing I want to say, Tony, the worst outcome for the pro-life movement in America is for the Republican Party to surrender Washington, D.C. to the pro-abortion crowd. Are you concerned that's happening? Yes. I, I wouldn't be on your show. I'm concerned that the state of Israel is going to have to act by itself against the Iranian nuclear threat because President Biden is naive about the Ayatollah. I'm concerned that if we don't watch it, we're going to lose our focus on Ukraine and stop Putin and Ukraine before he rewrites the map of Europe. I'm concerned that Taiwan will fall if we let Ukraine fall. I'm concerned that radical Islam will come through our broken border in the south and kill a bunch of us. But I'm also concerned about our nation as a whole and the pro-life movement. We want a great victory by overturning Roe. It would be a shame to not to waste that victory. So every state out there, you can do what you would like on abortion. You can go below 15 weeks. South Carolina will. Oklahoma will. A bunch of cases. Uh, states will be more pro-life right. than others. Right. But what I'm trying to do is to tell the country this is not transportation policy. States' rights Have to give away to human rights. I do not want to sit on the sideline as a nation and allow a baby to be aborted at 36 weeks in California and Oregon and Maryland without pushing back. I want votes in the nation's capital to have a minimum national standard to protect babies who feel pain.
1: And and again, I want to contrast this with what the pro abortion left is doing. They don't want the states to have a choice, they want a uniform Pro-abortion policy from the moment of conception until birth, and some actually, like in California, advocating post-birth. I mean, it's it's insane. Yes. But there's no end to where we might end up if we disrespect the sanctity of of human life.
4: I need your help, Tony. I need your I need your voice. I need the people calling their senators saying, draw a line in the sand in Washington, protect babies from an excruciating death that can feel pain. Do not let. California and Oregon and those states have Chinese abortion policy. Let's draw a line. Let's be like the civilized world, not like China and North Korea.
1: We'll do just that. You heard the senator, and I'm going to give out the uh, Senate switchboard number here in just a moment. Uh, Senator, you're on the ranking member on uh, the, the budget committee. The, yeah. the, the Federal Reserve today announcing a three-quarter percent raise in interest rates. Yeah. This seems to be in contrast with the Biden administration spending more money in their so-called uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, I mean, the reason that the Fed is squeezing the economy is to try to cool it off, but the Democrats are putting more money into the economy. Tell, help uh, me okay. understand what's going on.
4: Okay, the same people making monetary policy— are the same people in control of your border. They tell you the border is secure. Well, that's crazy. We have 2 million people coming across our border illegally, 80 on the terrorist watch list. These are the same people who want to give the Ayatollah, who's a religious Nazi, $100 billion of new revenue every year on the hope he'll moderate his nuclear program. These people don't know what they're doing. When it comes to inflation, they've thrown gasoline on a fire. The American Rescue Plan was... Trillions of dollars in new spending that made inflation worse. Right. Right. So, what's the Fed doing? Raising interest rates to sh- to cool off. Right. And we're going to suffer. Last year, they told us that inflation was transitory. Me and you said, you know, the American Rescue Plan that passed along party lines would make inflation worse. The Inflation Reduction Act that passed a couple of months ago with 87,000 new IRS agents to come after everybody listening here is going to make things worse. They're taking – their policies are making inflation worse. The Federal Reserve has to act, and it's going to hurt the economy. They saw this coming. They'd rather spend money while they have power. Inflation be damned to get as many liberal programs as in place, mm-hmm. to create as many new government programs as possible at your expense. That's what this is about power. All
1: right, final question. We're almost out of time. You mentioned Iran, comparing that to, to the Nazis and Hitler. You yeah. know, Hitler s- told the world what he was going <laughs> to do, Iran yeah. is doing the same thing. Why will we not believe them?
4: Because we don't want to have to act. Uh, they marginalized what Hitler said because everybody was tired after World War One. We had millions of people killed in World War One. When it comes time to confront evil, it's better to excuse it than it is to confront it. No, it's not. God has told us, to stand up. Be accountable, right? Well, the people in in, in the Iranian Ayatollah's orbit have the same uh, outcome for the Jewish people as the Nazis, and they want to kill you too. They want to bow. They want you to bow to their version of Islam. They want to wipe out... Faith, as we know it, and have a world religion. The Nazis wanted a master race. The Ayatollah wants a master religion. He says it over and over again, and I believe him. And I'm going to push back, and I'm going to stand with Israel. We live in dangerous, crazy, insane times. Thank you for having a voice. Help me with the unborn. Stand by Israel. We don't have to. We don't have to repeat the mistakes of the past. You know why To give wars numbers because people don't learn anything.
1: Right. So true. Senator Lindsey Graham, always great to uh, talk with you. you. Thank you for your leadership on Capitol Hill, and I appreciate you joining us today. God bless. All right, (laughs) Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Look, Look, I think the moral issues here at home, the lack of the sanctity of human life, the lawlessness that we allow to run rampant, I say we, our government, you know, that's really at the heart. And if we don't get that right... The foreign policy is not going to be right. These are core issues, and and I I support what Senator Graham is doing from a standpoint of this is a starting point of building consensus, moving forward till America is once again a pro-life nation. We've got to work, you know, taking inch by inch. We cannot give up. All right, folks, don't go away.
6: They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
1: I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you uh, with us. All right, the the, uh, Senate switchboard, I said I was going to give that out so you can call and encourage your two senators to... uh, look, draw a line, draw a line. This is a starting point. If they want to do more, tell them to do more. I'd like to see them do more, but at least at a point where a baby feels pain, can't we not build consensus and work from there? Senate switchboard number 202-224-3121, 202-224-3121. It is the pain-capable unborn children's bill. It's a, uh, it's, Basically 15 weeks at that point when a child feels pain, no more abortion. All right, since the uh, May 1st leak of the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe v. Wade, at least 70 pro-life pregnancy centers have been attacked with vandalism, graffiti, and even firebombing. Now, despite such violence, the response from the Department of Justice has been, well, that's it, pretty much crickets. It's uh, it's non-existent, leading uh, many to conclude that stopping such violence is clearly not a priority. This week, House Republicans sought to counter such inaction by introducing the Protect Pregnancy Care Centers Act. Joining me now to discuss this bill and more is a co-sponsor of the bill, Congressman Buddy Carter. He serves on the House Budget Committee and the House Committee on Energy, and uh, he represents Georgia's first congressional district. Congressman Carter, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. All right. I'm just going to let you speak to this. Why is this so necessary?
3: Well, it's necessary because women deserve to have access to health care. They deserve to have uh, knowledge to the education and, and access to the education that they uh, that there are options available to them and that abortion is not the only option. And And that's what pregnancy care centers do. Uh, you know, there are over six thousand pregnancy care centers in America and they've served over two million patients. And 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 this reveals to us the humanity of the pro life movement. Right. we're trying to help them to understand that that they do have an option here. so congressman
1: you know senator warren went on a rant against care pregnancy centers actually has introduced legislation to shut them all down. I have two questions for you. one isn't that an extreme position to shut down these nonprofit centers wanting to care for women and then secondly Isn't that kind of rhetoric contributing to this atmosphere of violence?
3: Yes and yes. I mean, you know, wanting to shut down these centers that are out there to serve and out there to to give access to health care. I mean, yeah, the Democrats are accusing the Republicans of wanting to limit access to health care. It's just the opposite. This is a, a case where the Democrats are trying to to limit access to healthcare. We need pregnancy care centers. We need them there to to help um, provide information for for patients, for for mothers, expectant mothers, and and for making sure that the unborn is, is, is noticed here and that they are taken care of. That's what pregnancy care centers are for, and yes, Her rhetoric and her introducing this legislation is what's leading to these violent attacks by groups such as Jane's Revenge on these pregnancy care centers.
1: Uh, Congressman, speaking of uh, extreme, before coming to Congress, you were a pharmacist, and recently you were on C-SPAN's Washington Journal, and you were attacked by callers from the left simply because you said pharmacists shouldn't be forced to dispense drugs that can end a human life.
3: Exactly. I mean, look, if the federal government's going to interject uh, themselves into the patient pharmacist doctor relationship, then you might as well do away with pharmacists and just put in vending machines. I mean, we are trained as pharmacists to do no harm. When I'm treating a patient as as a pharmacist, when I'm treating a patient who is pregnant, I'm treating two patients. I'm treating that mother and that child. And I have to take that in consideration. One of my uh, primary responsibilities when a mother comes in and gets a prescription is to warn her if this medication is going to have any side effects any ill effects toward her child and if it's safe to take during pregnancy and yet here's the federal government that wants to force a pharmacist against their moral or conscious objection to to fill a prescription that they know is going to cause an abortion that's simply ridiculous.
1: But it would seem that the, the the American public would be I mean, if you were accommodating you say, you know, we shouldn't be forced to do things that we have moral objections to. But, you know, that was not the case when you were on C-SPAN. And, and by the way, I'm going to be on C-SPAN myself Friday morning. Uh, any pointers for me?
3: <laughs> Wear your flap jacket. <laughs>
1: Well, Congressman, I appreciate your leadership and thank you for uh, standing firm and not yielding, even though we're seeing the increasing rhetoric of the left, as you said, leading to violence and hostility. We have to continue to stand for truth nonetheless.
3: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All
1: right. Congressman Buddy Carter of Georgia. To find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, let me give you that uh, switchboard number for the Senate. It's 202 Two two four thirty one twenty one. It's uh, Protecting Pain Capable Unborn Children from Late Term Abortions Act. Uh, Lindsey Graham is the author. And look again, it's a starting point. It is not the end of the conversation. But right now, as uh, Senator Graham said, you know, a lot of Republicans running from the issue. They need to be able to say, look, this is a place where there's consensus. I personally am, am, am going to work. F- to protect life from the moment of conception forward. But here, we have 72% of Americans for this. I'm going to start here. Where are those on the left willing to start? Day before birth? Day after birth? I think that will show who is really extreme in this debate. I think it's time to be on the offense on this issue of the sanctity of human life. We have no apologies to make right. Coming up next, I'll discuss a new book with none other than Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. We're also going to take a look at what's happening in Ukraine and continue our conversation on Iran. All that and more
6: next on Washington Watch. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood.
5: Visit frc.org slash internships to apply.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And if you missed that switchboard number, let me give it to you again, 202-224-3121. All right. Our own General, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, has a new book out today. It's entitled Strong and Courageous. It's a book about the Marine Corps. Oh,
2: my goodness. <laughs>
1: General, welcome back, to the <laughs> welcome back to the program. That's a little humor there. It's actually based on the biblical book of Joshua. It's uh, one of General Boykin's favorite books in the Bible and explores the five principles of biblical manhood in a thoughtful and engaging manner. General, welcome back to the program.
8: Thank you very much. I'm still, I'm still trying to shake that Marine Corps comment. So this uh is
1: going to be a part of the stand courageous men's conferences that we're that yeah. uh, FRC is doing.
8: Yeah, it is. Uh we started our men's conferences uh 2 or 3 years ago with uh the prequel to this book, right. which was Man to Man where we identified the five things a man is supposed to be biblically. And now we're going to switch, and uh, this will be the next phase of those men's conferences And as we use this book, because this actually gives you some very good biblical examples of a man who lived every one of those five That's
1: principles. That's a great, great book, the book of Joshua. I haven't read this one yet, but I'm sure it's a great book, too. You and uh, Dr. Keenan Curitan, uh, who
8: is on our team here. And, and he's, by the way, he is an incredible— he, uh, theologian. Oh, and historian. And historian. Yeah, he's he's He does some excellent work.
1: So this uh, is a part of the Stand Courageous Men's Conference, which, by the way, well, before I go to that, people can get a copy of this book, though. You don't have to come to a conference to get it. It's available out today, so today you can get a copy of this book.
8: You can get a copy of this book by going to FRC's website, and uh, and you can also go to Amazon or wherever books are sold. All right, so Stand, or a regular Strong strong, Courageous, a call to, Strong and Courageous, a call
1: to biblical manhood. Thinking of Stand Courageous, which is coming up in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, October the 8th. So that's just around the corner. So, men, if you're in the area, and I know we were just there with our Pray Vote Stand Summit, in fact, we, General, you were there, you were one mm-hmm. of the speakers, Pastor Gary Hamrick was one of our speakers, he's going to be one of our speakers at the... Men's Conference, Stand Courageous. We're also going to have uh, Frank, Pastor Frank Cox. We're going to have uh, Bishop Larry Jackson will be there. And uh, Stu Weber. My battle buddy. Yeah, That's right. Your battle buddy is going to be Coming there.
8: Coming all the way from uh, Oregon to be with us there. And uh, long time with Promise Keepers. He and uh, Bishop he and Jackson both of them. were both with Promise Keepers for 20 years.
1: So that's Saturday, October the 8th, beginning uh, at 7 a.m., actually 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., you can find out more by going to stand dot com or just go to tonyperkins.com and follow the links over. But, men, now's the time to register and be a part of the Stand Courageous Conference in October in Atlanta, October 8th, coming up just around the corner. All right, General, uh, I want to talk about some of the uh, issues that came up today at the United Nations. In fact, uh, the president, President Biden, they're speaking Uh really touching on a number of global issues. I want to go first to one that you and I have talked about quite a bit. I talked about this earlier with uh, Senator Graham, and that is Iran. Uh, Play clip number nine, please.
2: While the United States is prepared for a mutual return to the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action if Iran steps up to its obligations, the United States is clear. WE WILL NOT ALLOW IRAN TO ACQUIRE A NUCLEAR WEAPON. I CONTINUE TO BELIEVE THAT DIPLOMACY IS THE BEST WAY TO ACHIEVE THIS OUTCOME. THE NON-PROLIFERATION REGIME IS ONE OF THE GREATEST SUCCESSES OF THIS INSTITUTION. THE CLOCK IS TICKING.
1: I ACTUALLY um, HAD LUNCH THIS AFTERNOON WITH AN AMBASSADOR, I'M NOT GOING TO MENTION THE COUNTRY, uh, BUT is VERY CONCERNED about where these negotiations are going and that they're fact they're going nowhere and we're actually seeing human rights the human rights situation in Iran worsen we're ignoring it in pursuit of an agreement that frankly is meaningless
8: yeah and if Soleimani was still alive there would probably be another 15,000 bodies in the streets of Tehran right now because the people are fed up with their government, and I talked to a missionary that uh, operates underground in in Iran, and uh, and he and his wife both uh, they they said uh, people are so fed up with the government that they have there that they want to fight back. So why are we propping them up, engaging in these negotiations? Well, it goes back as the same policy that uh, Mr. Obama had. Remember we. We sent them millions of dollars in cash, you know. Right. We, yeah, to, for exchange of hostages, and uh, and that's what we're doing again: lifting the sanctions and 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 giving them money in their coffers to build those nuclear weapons that they've been uh, trying to build for probably a decade and a half. So earlier,
1: Senator Graham was talking about this and the threats that Iran is making that they will destroy Israel. Mm-hmm. We we have an administration that's acting like, all well, they're just kind of joking.
8: The administration doesn't understand the mindset of a, a Shia Twelver, those within Islam who believe that their Messiah will not return until the world is in bloodshed and chaos, and is there a better way to create bloodshed and chaos? Is that
1: because we have an administration that is dominated by people who think Religion is just something that that people do on the weekends, but it has no direct impact on their lives.
8: I think that's a large part of it, and I think that that they they kind of see us as like the like the Muslims that it's a farce to begin with, but we believe it, and therefore so th- they're going to exploit it see, I think they look at
1: this like. We have a president, we have a Speaker of the House, both claim to be Catholic. Catholic teaching on abortion is that it is immoral, it's wrong. They claim to be Catholic, but they are aggressively promoting abortion. So their religion doesn't impact their policy. I think that is the handicap that America has under people who see religion not as something that gives instruction to our lives, but just something that people do if they feel like it.
8: Right, and it's look, that's one of the reasons that we put so much time and effort into trying to develop the center for the biblical worldview. You can't have a biblical worldview and not see the evil that prevails in, in, in the world today, uh, with the abortion certainly being one of those. Well, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo made very clear,
1: in fact, in his first speech, I believe he went to Cairo and made this speech, about how he was a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, and how that influenced him in his decisions. That actually bolstered his standing globally because people said, all right, here's another guy, religion, a different religion, but he actually believes what he says.
8: Yeah, and, and I heard him say that, and I think he made a very good point that, uh, that they knew he was the real deal. If he was willing to go and, 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 and announce himself, as a Bible-believing Christian, and that showed a a level of courage that they didn't see in all the American diplomats.
1: All right, General, I'm going to play a clip from President Biden today at the United Nations as it pertains to Israel. Let's uh, play clip number eight, please.
2: The United States is committed to Israel's security full stop, and a negotiated two-state solution remains, in our view, the best way to ensure Israel's security and prosperity for the future and give the Palestinians the state which to which they are entitled. All right. So how can you
1: facilitate Iran having a nuclear weapon and more funding for terrorism? Want to give the Palestinians their own state within this small geographical area that Israel has and claim that you are
8: committed to Israel's security full stop? Yeah, well you can't. We need to remember that the so called Palestinians, which, by the way, Jews were Palestinians at one time. Right. But you can't, uh, you you, you need to understand that the people that we call the Palestinians that live as citizens in Israel today have the greatest freedoms of any Islamic group in the world. They actually were a part of the governing coalition just recently in Israel in the parliament. That's exactly right. And uh, when, you, when you get one-on-one with many of them, and I have done so, and I know you have too, they will tell you that they don't want a two-state solution.
1: They don't want to be under the Palestinian Authority. Exactly. That's for certain.
8: That's exactly uh, Look, what you, what you get is Hamas and Fatah. That, that's who governs those Palestinian areas, the Gaza Strip and the so-called West Bank, which is Judea and Samaria. That's who governs them. They're both terrorist organizations.
1: The good news, Israel is not alone when we look at this issue of Iran. I mean, Iran is very close at this time I mentioned the clock is ticking on whether or not this agreement just dies and the negotiations stop. But Iran is also very close to a breakout where they will have full capabilities. But there are other countries beside Israel in the Middle East that are
8: very concerned about this? Every Gulf country, even uh, those that have a predominantly uh, Shia population there, they're all concerned about it. Saudi Arabia is probably their biggest target outside of Israel. And as one former Muslim told me, If they have one missile, it goes to Israel. If they have two, the second one goes to Saudi Arabia. They hate Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia hates them. And the most of those Persian Gulf countries uh, are very much concerned about them having a bomb.
1: So, lacking United States leadership at this point, but you have residual benefit from the Trump administration. We just celebrated the anniversary of the Abraham Accords. So you actually have a much closer open—it's been there for a long time, especially among the intelligence agencies they've been working together. But now you have this open relationship between Israel and these uh, predominantly Muslim
8: countries in the Middle East. Did you think you would ever see that? I mean, I I, I certainly didn't.
1: I mean, it was a combination, I think, of the the Trump administration, but it was also the times, and it was the exterior threat of Iran that kind of made— them a common enemy so they had to find some common allies
8: and I won't get into prophecy but if you look at Ezekiel 38 and 39 it talks about a time when Israel is at peace right a time when it is living at peace so I think we've got to watch what's happening uh, over there very carefully we can we can no longer just take for granted that we're going to be told what we need to know we need to watch it ourselves and 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 go back to the word
1: but we're at a point if Iran Enters that point of having the capabilities. Yeah. I, mean, I think we're at, uh, at a, somebody's going to have to act. There's going to see so, something has to happen to stop them from having that capability.
8: And, and let's 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 guess who that might be. Well, it's not going to it's not going to be. I tell you what, though, Tony, if America does not support Israel, if they do make a preemptive strike and America does not support them, I I, I just can't think of what our future might be because. No matter what people say, uh, I think Genesis 12-3 is absolutely as appropriate today as it was when it was written.
1: You know, I'm not into predictions, but I am into watching what is happening on the global stage. I th- I would not be surprised to see something between now and the election, because that's when the administration is going to be vulnerable and certainly would not want to cross Israel if Israel has to take preemptive action.
8: I agree with you, and I I think also, though, that uh, I think that uh, the whole world sees us as being a weak country with weak leadership right now, and I think that they're exploiting that. I think Russia would never have gone into Ukraine had had Donald Trump still been in office, and I don't think that the Chinese would be rattling their sabers the way they are, and I think the same thing applies to Iran. I think if Iran's going to do anything, they're going to try to do it before we change administration, because the next administration— uh, surely will not be as weak as this administration. And I think we're going to see probably a, a real leader emerge in the next administration. All right,
1: one more clip I'm going to play before we run out of time. Uh, clip number five.
2: Now, it's no secret that in the contest between democracy and autocracy, the United States and I, as president, champion a vision for our world. That's grounded in the values of democracy. The United States is determined to defend and strengthen democracy at home and around the world.
8: General. Is this the same guy that just called half of the American electorate terrorist? But but he wants democracy to prevail because he is the champion of democracy. This is hypocrisy, not democracy, it's hypocrisy. Well, it was on the world stage today
1: at uh, the United Nations. Look, this goes back to the importance of elections, and this is why Christians need to be registered, they need to be informed, and they need to be voting. And this midterm election is very important because the control of the Congress determines how far he can go with the policies that he's advancing.
8: Psalm 19 says, Who will stand up against this evil for me? Who will take a stand against these evildoers? If you don't go vote, you are not taking a stand against evil because we have to vote for, among other things, to start the process of driving the evil out of this country that we've brought into it. The Supreme Court started that process. We've got to continue it now. And and folks, I would say not only do we
1: need to vote, but you need to help other people register in your church and in your community and your family and make sure they vote as well. General Boykin, great to have you on the program as always and encourage everyone to get a copy of Strong and Courageous. You can find it online. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Good to see you. Good to be with you, Tony. All right. And, folks, it's great to have you with us as well. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. And men in uh, drive, within driving distance of Atlanta, Georgia, remember, October the 8th, Stand Courageous Men's Conference. Find out more about it. Check out the website. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing.